It's our privilege to have Brother Kurt Skelly here tonight. He pastors up in the state of Virginia. And uh, several years ago, I got to hear him preach, the very first time for me anyway. He's been preaching for a long time. But uh, I got to hear him preach, and he really encouraged me and really challenged me from God's Word. And I always love preaching that is very biblical, very applicable to our life, and that is very compassionate, loves people. And I believe Brother Skelly does a wonderful job of that. I said to our church a while back, I said, I like to have folks come in that have been a help to me. And if they've been a help to me, I think they'll be a help to you as well. And Brother Skelly's been a help to me, and uh, not only through his preaching, but also just personally and encouragement to me. And so without any further ado, brother, why don't you come and share with us what God has laid on your heart tonight. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening, everybody. Man, I was told this was a friendly church, and that was kind of like, man, I am so glad to see the miracle that is Arise, Arise Baptist Church. Uh, your pastor's been telling me all about uh, what, what's been going on over the past couple of years, and what, what a truly miraculous thing uh, is happening here in Houston. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful to see, to think that you have a building as a church plant that's paid for, uh, that... Uh, the opportunity that exists here is it's unbelievable. And Brother Dave, it's good to see you. I've known the Cripps family forever. Matter of fact, uh, my wife Wanda and uh, the, the uh, uh, and Sonia, uh, Dave Cripps' dad's wife Sonia, grew up together in Puerto Rico, and so they didn't speak English until well. I, I think your mom did because she went to the Christian school and learned English. My wife didn't speak English until she was 18. In fact, that's how we got married. She did not understand the question. <laughs> and so 31 years later, it's a little bit too late, right? But uh, they were best friends in, in college, and, and just it's, it's, it's joy to see generations serving God. And we're praying for your church plant. We want you to come up, and we're going to support you. And Brother Casimir, we want you to come to our church as well. We want to support your ministry. And Brother Sam has said a lot about you. And so it's, it's, good to, it's good to meet you, to put a name with a face. And Brother Sam, it's good to, we've, we've not met, but boy, I have heard so many great things about Ironwood this and Ironwood that. And so it's great to finally put a, a, a name with a, with a face, and thanks for being here tonight. Uh, what a privilege uh, to be anywhere serving the Lord. Amen? What a privilege just to be serving God. Uh, last night, I had the opportunity to preach at the West Coast Baptist College Youth Conference, which I've done for the last 15 years. And and so I'm tired. We got done late, late last night, and I, I rushed down to uh, I rushed down to the airport hotel. Got in about 1:30 this morning uh, there at the airport hotel. I drove my Jaguar down. They upgraded me to a Jaguar. I mean, I, when I rent a car, I rate the I, I rent I rent the basic car. I went into the Hertz dealership. The guy said, "Hey, listen, we upgraded you." I said, "Okay," and I walked outside. They had a Jaguar. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I was driving on the 14 up toward Lancaster yesterday, going 100 miles an hour. I didn't realize I was going 100. The kind of cars I drive, you're, you're going 50, and the car's going you know, like a like a Haitian earthquake, you know. And uh, I mean, I'm telling you. Uh, so uh, I got back to the hotel about 1:30 this morning and got up at uh, oh my goodness, early early hour to get out on the flight. But uh, slept a little bit on the plane, and, and here I am. And so I'm glad to be here. Been looking forward to it. Uh, originally. Uh, Brother Will, we talked about uh, a marriage retreat, and, uh, and then that kind of expanded to uh, a family retreat. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm prepared tonight and tomorrow morning just to bring a couple sessions upon, about, about family, about family unity. And tonight it's going to be a little bit different because uh, it'll be a teaching session, and so it won't be a full-on message, but it'll be a teaching session. I want to talk, talk about a couple in the Bible uh, but those of you that are teenagers or, or maybe uh, single parents, or uh, you're, this is applicable to all of us. That's the wonderful thing about the Word of God, right? It's one size fits all. And so don't think that you're here tonight, and Uncle Louie, this applies to you, okay? So don't think you're off the hook. Um, it, this is, as a matter of fact, this is only for you tonight. How's that? <laughs> but uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, my wife, Wanda, and I have four children. Uh, my, my son, Nathaniel, and his wife, Charity, uh, live in Pensacola, Florida. They're not affiliated with the college, but that's where they live in Pensacola. And he's a financial planner. Uh, they have three children, uh, Jaden, Judah, 
and Juliet. Those are our three grandchildren. And matter of fact, they're going to come. Uh, Nathaniel, my oldest, and, and his oldest son will be uh, visiting with us next week. We're looking forward to that. And then my son Joshua is a student pastor in Kansas. And he's been there for a few years with his wife, Rachel. And so they're serving the Lord there, loving ministry. And then my son, Caleb, uh, works with us at Faith Baptist Church uh, in Fredericksburg. Uh, Fredericksburg is just south of D.C. Um, a matter of fact, many of our people work in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, they fight that commute every single day. Um, and uh, we, we're at the church. Some people would recognize this church. It's the church where Dr. Don Forrester uh, pastored for many years. Dr. Forrester is known as the blind pastor. Uh, he's completely blind. He started the church in 1975 as a blind man. He's been blind since he was age nine. He's the smartest man I've ever met. He reads about five books a week. Uh, has two earned doctorates. Loves the Lord. He did a tremendous ministry. And so the Lord uh, kind of put us together after I, uh, I, I thought I was done pastoring. The Lord led us away from our church that we loved and served for 20 years in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I just thought I would be involved in itinerant ministry uh, just full time. And uh, I, I am out every week, but I thought this would be an all-week thing um, throughout the year. But God led us back into pastoral ministry. We've been in Fredericksburg for the last uh, two years. It's been wonderful. It's been a great, a great ministry. We want you to come visit. And I mean that. You come on through. Remember, Dave, you guys are going to come. Uh, but the Casimir, we're going to have you come. But we want you to come visit. We, we built a three-bedroom prophet's chamber in, in, into our house, completely separate. It's there for guests. And we want you to come. And we mean that. Every, every, every week, uh, people come through. They treat it like a little bed and breakfast. And we want you to know you're welcome to come. Billy, not you, okay? But everyone else is welcome to come. We really do want you to come and be a part. And then we have our daughter, Hannah. Hannah is our baby girl. She's 22. Uh, she helps me. Uh, I have a little Israel company that, that I run on the side, and she helps me with that. Uh, and just, she's just a great blessing. She's still at home. Uh, and so just pray for our family. If you struggle reading your Bible every day, and we don't want to admit that, but uh, many of us struggle reading our Bible every day. If you struggle reading your Bible every day, tune in to a little podcast I do called Everyday Truth. Uh, Everyday Truth, it's about 15 minutes long, a little bit less, 13 to 15 minutes long every day. We're going through the book of Joshua right now. We usually cover eight or nine verses, talk about it. I do it with my adult children. It's a conversation about the Bible. And so it's just a good way to jumpstart your day on your commute. Maybe you work in Houston and you, you work 10 miles away, it takes you three and a half hours to get there, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, play the podcast. I'd love to have you tune in, and uh, it'd be a blessing. Hey, tonight in your Bible, let's look at uh, the book of uh, Acts, and here's what we're going to do. I, I know that uh, some of you have a Bible, As a matter of fact, most of you, I think, have a Bible with you tonight. If you don't, can we help out with the verse? Okay, great. We're going to put the verses up on the screen, too, if you uh, don't have a copy of the Word of God with you. Acts chapter 18 we're going to start here. Typically, uh, when I preach a message, I love to just stay in one text. 99% of the messages I preach are what we call expository messages, where I just stay in one text. Uh, but tonight's lesson a little bit different. Uh, we're going to jump around a little bit. It's a teaching session. By the way, tomorrow uh, will be a teaching session as well. I'm going to talk about the most important word in your family, and it's not love. Tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow morning, I'll talk about the most important word in your family, and it's not love. And I, I think you'll be surprised, but I think you'll agree with me. And we'll talk about that tomorrow morning first thing, so I hope you'll come back. Acts chapter 18, in your Bible, look, look at verse 1. Acts chapter 18 and verse 1. The Bible says this, After these things, Paul departed from Athens. I was just there. I was just there a couple weeks ago in Athens. What a fun place. And I was, I was right on Mars Hill where, where Paul preached that message in chapter 17. He came to Corinth, just about an hour drive away. You can just, not, not, a, not a, about an hour drive from Athens. And he, he found a certain Jew. Do you see that in verse 2? He found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus. That's all the way up by the Black Sea. You look at a map of modern-day Turkey. Okay, Pontus is all the way up by the Black Sea. 
Uh, remember, uh, uh, Peter wrote to those of Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Bithynia, a Pontus. And so here's a guy born up in Pontus, the Bible says, Aquila, lately come from Italy. Uh, so here's a guy from, from Pontus, and yet he's coming from Italy. So he's not a native of, of Italy. We're in the Roman Empire, and so uh, travel is much easier. They built the highway system. You have the Via Egnatia, which was the highway system of the day, and so people traveled a little bit more readily than they did in other eras. And so here's a man that, that, is, that we're going to find out is a businessman. He, he's from Pontus, uh, but he's uh, apparently gone to Italy. And the Bible says in verse 2 that uh, he, he came from Italy with his wife. What's her name? Priscilla. So here's Aquila and Priscilla. I suppose that on a Friday night, uh, those of you that would come are, are people that are, are fairly Bible literate. If I were to say tonight, Aquila and Priscilla, most of you would say, tell me something about them. Oh, okay, they were helpers of Paul. Aquila and Priscilla, a married couple in the Bible. But did you know this? That, uh, they are a married couple in the Bible about whom nothing negative is said. That, that's a tall thing in the Bible. Nothing negative is said of them. They're not just a footnote in the Bible. You might think they are, but they're much more than just a footnote in the Bible. I think you'll see that tonight. Do you know that many of the couples that we think about in the Bible were, but by our standards, pretty dysfunctional? I mean, you think about you know, Isaac and Rebecca. I preached last night on despising the birthright. Isaac and Rebecca, they were pretty dysfunctional, you know, uh, a couple. And the Bible, kind of scheming and lying to each other and playing favorites among their children and getting their family into a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of trouble because of all of that. Uh, that not, not really a great model for what a, a marriage should look like. Broken people. Uh, and let's face it, we're all broken, I guess, but there are very few stellar models in the Bible that you would say, now here's a couple in the Bible that I can say emphatically, you ought to emulate this couple. Here's a couple in the Bible that, that as a family, I could say, but as a family, these are the priorities I really think that you ought to have. As a family, here are the attitudes I think you ought to embrace. I think Priscilla and Aquila are a great example of that. Watch what it says in verse 2. Uh, they, they, Aquila and Priscilla, uh, because, see the parenthetical in verse 2? Because that Claudius, that was the emperor, had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. And so, uh, back in those days, the Roman emperor had complete uh, autonomy and authority. And so, it would not be uncommon for a Roman emperor to capriciously say, hey, I think the Jews are the problem, and, and so I'm expelling them, all Jews out of Rome. And he did that. L later on, we're going to find out the, the Roman emperors, like Nero, uh, blamed Christians. The, the, they considered the Christianity to be a sect of, uh, of Judaism. They blamed Christians for all the ills of Rome. Right? And Paul was the poster child for Christianity, and, and that hastened his death, at least humanly speaking. And so here, here's, get, get the picture. So here's Aquila. He's from Pontus, okay? but he's traveled all the way over to Rome. Why? He's got a business. And, uh, and then, through no fault of his own, circumstances outside of his control, he's been expelled because of a, a, a governmental order of eviction, and so now he and Priscilla have had to leave now their new home, their transplanted home, and now the Bible says they show up in the cosmopolitan city of Corinth. And the Bible says in verse 3 that Paul met them. Paul met them. Now what, what brought them together? Well, we, we've learned one commonality already, the fact they're Jews. We, we know that they're, they're Jews, so there's going to be a commonality. And when, when, when you travel, have you ever traveled and maybe outside of the country and you hear someone speaking English? It's like, oh, you... You'd never talk to them in the States, because everyone speaks English, but you're, you're in a foreign country. Hey, where are you from? Right? Because you feel that commonality. You're, 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 there, there's, there, there's, there's a commonality in a foreign country. And so they're Jews. So the Jews would kind of gather together. If there were more than enough of them, they'd start a synagogue. And so here's uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Here's Paul. His habit was to go to the synagogue. That's where he started his gospel emphasis in his hub city ministry. And so the Bible says that they get together in verse 3, not only because they're Jews, but watch verse 3, and because he was of the same craft. So not only do they share a, a religious commonality, but they share a vocational commonality. And they're, they're tent makers. And let, let's face it, you know, one of the first things you ask a, a stranger if you're getting to know them, what, what do you do for work? Some of, you, some of you guys I met tonight, what do you do for work? 
You told me, oh, yeah, I work here. This is what I do. You know, Josh, I asked you, what, what are you doing for work? He said, nothing. I hold the cardboard sign. I said, okay, well, good. But, uh, you know, and, and, and so here's Paul, and here's uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and they've got this connection. Now, we, we don't, I don't want to infer too much in the scripture, but it seems to me that Paul led them to Christ. We know they got saved. We, we know they become a, 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 a key a part of Paul's ministry. And so, so somewhere they, they, they responded to the gospel. And I've got, just got to believe that that was through uh, the, the personal ministry of the Apostle Paul as they worked together. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Paul uh, was not a full-time pastor. He was a bivocational pastor. And you might say that his greatest converts were people that he did not win in vocational ministry, but people that he won through his bivocational ministry. Isn't that interesting? People that he won to Christ through the workplace. Not, so never disesteem the fact that, you know, Josh, you and I talked, don't disesteem the fact that sometimes in seasons in our life, God doesn't put us in full-time ministry, what we call that. I don't like that. It's a misnomer in my mind. But sometimes he, he puts us, you know, reasons and seasons. He puts us in places where it's like, you know, God, what are you doing? Why am I here? Uh, this is not what I thought. This is not what I envisioned as. And yet God uses us in profound ways sometimes in those venues. So don't disesteem what God is doing in your life, you know, in sequence. And so here's Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. Okay, so we see that. They're where? In Corinth. From Pontus. Okay, went to Rome, got kicked out. Now they're in Corinth. Okay, why? God has providentially put them there for 18 months. They're under Paul's teaching. Now, understand that when Paul was teaching, it wasn't Sunday night and Wednesday night and Sunday morning and Sunday night. and went, No, it was every day. It was every day. You know, the Apostle Paul's ministry, it was discipleship on steroids. It was morning and night. It was every day. I mean, you read the, the you just went through 1 Thessalonians. Boy, you just taught it, didn't you? Chapter 2. I mean, it's day and night. It's, we're dealing with this thing. Time is of the essence. And so understand that Priscilla and Aquila, they're getting it. They become mature Christians really quickly. You don't have to linger in immaturity long. If you get in a good Bible-believing church like this one, you get serious about the Word of God that you have on your lap, you get serious about communicating with God, I'm telling you, you can grow quickly in grace. You really can. You really can. And God intends for that. He intends for you to grow quickly in grace. Uh, three men that uh, spent uh, three years being discipled uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, shook a world for Christ. And uh, I, tell, I, I tell you, a rise Baptist church can shake a, a city for Christ. I believe that. Now watch what happens at the uh, midpoint of chapter 18. Look at, verse, uh, look at verse 18. Okay, so Priscilla and Aquila, look at verse 18. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. Okay, so how long did Paul spend in Corinth? Spend in Corinth about eighteen months. He stayed there about eighteen months. And so Wanda and I, uh, in our married life, we we lived in different places. We lived in Indiana for uh, three years. We lived in Connecticut for five years. I started a church in Connecticut, a Foundation Baptist Church, back in nineteen ninety one, and then we went to uh, New Kensington, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, in nineteen ninety six. Spent twenty years. And then in 2016, actually, the January of 17, we came to Faith Baptist in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So reasons and seasons. So here's Priscilla and Aquila and Paul, 18 months. And then watch this. And then he took leave. Time to go. He's not there. He's not. Uh, he's a church planter. He's an apostle. He's going on to the next place. He took leave of the brethren. He sailed thence unto Syria. And watch this. With him... Priscilla and Aquila. With him, Priscilla, so they're leaving now too. Pontus, right? Pontus, Rome, Corinth. Now they're leaving. They're going with Paul. Apparently now they have a taste of what ministry is and they're going to help. Well, the Bible says in verse 19, and he came to Ephesus, just across the Aegean. He came to Ephesus and he left them there. Well, what do you think about that? He left them there. Um, we have a family back in our church in Pennsylvania. They've got, uh, they got seven, seven kids, and uh, not 70, but they have seven, seven children. And uh, one, one night, I, I got a phone call. I, I was, you know, I'm always at the church late, and I was at my office. I got a phone call, and 
a frantic mother was saying, you know, have you seen Scotty? Well, Scotty's the youngest of the seven. I said, no, I've not seen Scotty. You know, I, uh, what, what happened to Scotty? Well, uh, Jim and I left church, and I thought he had counted the kids, and uh, he thought I had counted the kids, and we're home, and Scotty's not here. So I walked, the office building was across the church. I walked across the church. I, I went up and down the pew, and there was Scotty. You know, sleeping as he had been, he fell asleep that Sunday night in church. He was still there sleeping. Didn't know, didn't know. Whole church had shut down. Everyone had fellowshiped. Parents had gone home. There he was. Scotty, I'm going to take you home. That's what happened. And so here's Paul. He left them there. It sounds negligent. But no, it's not negligent. It's not negligent. It's purposeful. Now, Paul has trained them. Here's a couple now that they're, they're ready now to repeat. This is 2 Timothy 2.2. This is what your pastor desires for you. That's why the goal at Arise Baptist is make disciples. You're a teenager at this church. He wants your pastor, more importantly, your Lord, wants you to know him and love him and know his word so that you can repeat. Win people to Christ and invest your life in them. And that's what he does. Watch what happens here in verse 20. They desired him to tarry longer time with them. He consented not. Paul had to get going. He bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem. I will return again unto you, if God will. He sailed from Ephesus. He's gone, but guess what? Priscilla and Aquila are there. Look back at verse 24. Look down at verse 24. Don't miss it. Look at verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos. Brother Casimir, you mentioned Apollos tonight. A certain Jew named Apollos. See that? Born in Alexandria. That's down in Egypt. Uh, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And that's something. He just happens, happens to show up. This guy loves the Lord. He's conversant in the Old Testament. He's been exposed to the ministry of John the Baptist. He's not full in his theology because he's not aware of the finished work of Christ upon the cross and the, the, the resurrection. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit. He spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So good start, good start, but he's not there. Somebody's got to help him along. Someone's got to teach him. Someone's got to help him to understand the mysteries, right, that are now available, that can be made known. And watch what happens in verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Whom, now don't miss it, verse 26, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded, both of them, both of them, Aquila and Priscilla, and they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So they discipled him, didn't they? They sat at the kitchen table. They took out their Bible. Here's what Paul taught us. Here's what we learned for 18 months. Here's who Jesus is. Here's what he did. Here's what justification means. Here's what sanctification means. Here's what glorification means. Here's what propitiation means. Here's what imputation means. Here's what, say, I don't know all those words. That's okay. He's learning. He's learning. He's growing, teaching. Well, watch what happens in verse 27. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, huh? You know what Achaia is? That's the region in which Corinth is placed. So now, uh, so now uh, Apollos came from Alexandria. He's in uh, uh, Ephesus, he wants to sail across to, uh, to Corinth. Well, that's where Priscilla and Aquila, they know those people. And the Bible says in verse uh, 27 that Apollos wants to go there, exhorting, and they wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, whom when he, uh, when, he, uh, when he was come, he helped them much, which had believed through grace. So Apollos is watering, right? He's watering. Paul, what, Paul did what? He planted. What's Apollos doing now? He's watering. He's helping them much. That had believed, so he's helping the believers because he's a better speaker than Paul. He's a different giftedness than Paul. But none of this would be possible without Priscilla and Aquila, unnamed couple, just bivocational, working their job, discipling people at night, inviting people into their home. Now watch what happens in verse 28. For he mightily convinced the Jews. Isn't that something? The Apostle Paul had a great burden for Jews. The Apostle Paul, I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for the Jews. Oh, my, brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And yet the Apostle Paul had a very uh, nominal ministry when it came to Jews in Corinth. He wanted Jews to be saved. He had a burden for them, but he wasn't reaching them effectively. 
But you know what happened? Watch this. Paul reached people who reached somebody who reached the people Paul wanted to reach. That's how God does it. Paul, Paul reached people who reached somebody who reached the people that Paul wanted to reach. It's a circle. It's not about individual notches on our belt. It's not even so much about churches or how many converts I have. It's not, it's not about that. It's about being team members in the body of Christ. And here's Priscilla and Aquila doing their part. It's Tom and Donna Hawkins. You say, Tom and Donna Hawkins, Kurt, who are they? They're, they're, they're a youth couple in my church. Emmanuel Baptist Church in Newington, Connecticut, growing up. A, a, a youth couple. They worked a job. Tom and Donna, they were a young couple, had little children. They weren't the youth pastor. They weren't on staff, but they picked me up for youth group. They picked me up for youth group in their orange Scooby-Doo van. You know what I'm talking about, Scooby-Doo van, right? You know, okay? They picked me up. They answered my stupid junior high inane questions. They took all the time in the world for me. I'm telling you, it's the Tom and Donna Hawkinses that make a difference. It's not about this, you know, it's, it's not about this, 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 the, uh, you know, Will Cover's here. Houston's going to be saved. No, no, he needs to do his job. But listen, we've got to do our job. You know, and some jobs are up front. Some jobs get attention. Let me tell you something. Every job in the ministry of Jesus Christ is valuable. And I'm here to say that Priscilla and Aquila were used of God in a profound way in the ministry at Ephesus and now at Corinth. Hey, we're not done. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Oh, my 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Don't miss this passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So now, ready for this? Apostle Paul, he went to, he went to, he went to Jerusalem, way over there. Went back to see his home church at Antioch in Syria. Now he's coming back for the third missionary journey. Okay, third journey, always picture this, third journey, three years Ephesus. Good way to remember it. Third journey, three years in Ephesus. That's his primary place. Now, he spent more time in Ephesus than any other place in his ministry other than Tarsus and those, and those first early years we don't know much about. So Ephesus. So he's coming back. He's got Timothy. He wants to start some churches. Okay, in Ephesus, he writes some letters. Matter of fact, he writes at least four letters to the church of Corinth. Two of them are included in the Bible. Okay. The very first letter he writes is a letter because people have come from Corinth to, uh, to, uh, to Ephesus and say, Paul, things aren't going well back in our home church. What's going on? Well, you know, Apollos came, and I hate to tell you this, Paul is a little bit better preacher than you are, and people are like, we're of Apollos. No, 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 we're of Paul. No, we're of Christ. There's factionalism, and people are dividing over who baptized whom. The Lord's Supper is a mess, and people are just using it as a way to show off, and look at how much food I have, and God must be blessing me. It's kind of like a health, wealth, and prosperity God. It's bad. you got to deal with this. you got this guy in the church. He's living a known open immorality, and everyone's fine with it. Paul's like, you're kidding me. He takes out his pen, writes him a letter. At the end of the letter, watch what he says. Verse 8, I will tarry at Ephesus. So we know where he is. He's at Ephesus. He's going to stay there until Pentecost. Why? This is still, still, still an opportunity in verse 9. Now, look at verse, uh, look at verse, um, oh my, uh, verse 17. I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, and that, they, that that which was lacking on your part they've supplied. They, they've refreshed my spirit and yours. Uh, therefore, acknowledge ye them that are, that are such. It's been a blessing. Watch this, verse 19. Don't miss it. The churches of Asia salute you. So I'm greeting you from this church and from others, you know, Smyrna and Sardis and Laodicea. And the church of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla. Now, don't miss it. Look at it. This is exciting to me. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. These people didn't stop. These people didn't know, they didn't know how to, how to, how to vacation. Yeah, I'm not saying a vacation is wrong, I'm just saying they were busy for the Lord. I mean, here they are now, the Apostle Paul, he's been gone for a season. 
They've discipled Apollos. Apollos is back at Corinth getting the job done. And now Paul comes back to Ephesus. But here's the quote of Priscilla. They're not waiting for him to get a church started. They got a church going on. The church, the church meets in their house. Here's a business couple. I think, they, I think they probably had some means. I think they probably did well financially. And here they are saying, you know what? If God has blessed us, then he's blessed us for a reason. You know, let not the rich man glory in his riches. God did that. Listen, by, Americans, by world standards, all of us Americans, we're filthy rich. Every one of us. You know, you know, why? Does God love us more than he loves the rest of the world? Is that why God does that? Or do you think that maybe God wants to love the rest of the world through us? Why does God bless one person more than somebody else? He doesn't do that for our own self-aggrandizement. He does that so that we can take whatever that added blessing is and, and bless other people with it. That's the whole teaching of 2 Corinthians 8. Has God given you more wisdom or more influence or more knowledge? Don't be puffed up. Understand there's a stewardship responsibility you have to share that, to be a blessing with that with other people. That's a stewardship responsibility. And for Priscilla and Aquila, they were taking their resources, their home, their business, and saying, God, this belongs to you. We want to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is who we are. Wow, what a family. All right? Look at Romans chapter 16. We're almost done. I'm going to give you four principles here in a moment. I'm just going to basically read them. So th this, this is the message. Look at Romans chapter 16. Don't you hate that? When you listen to a message, like the preacher's a half hour in, he says, okay, I'm done with my introduction. You're like, introduction? What are you talking about, right? So uh, just understand, we're, we're getting there. Romans chapter 16. I love, this is my favorite one of the four passages. Look at, look at Romans chapter 16. Typically, Romans 16 is one of those chapters in the Bible, like Leviticus, like the genealogies, that you start reading, and it's like, okay, I'm, I am definitely skimming this, okay? It's like doing your assigned reading at college. Not that you guys did this, okay? But remember your assigned reading at college? It's like, uh, my eyeballs saw every word, okay? Yes, I read it. I didn't, didn't ask me if I comprehended, right? Okay, and all those mental gymnastics we do, okay? The cone of carnality that we place over it, right? That's good. I, I learned something. Look at, look at Romans 16 and verse 1. So this is the, the, the chapter where Paul's just given a bunch of names. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. Uh, she's a servant of the church, which is at Centria. By the way, Centria, that's right by Corinth. That's the port city. It's right there. I, I've been there. It's a wonderful place. It's quiet. No one's there anymore. You just go there and spend time by yourself. Look at verse 2. That you receive her in the Lord as become a saint's, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer or a helper of many, and of myself also. Look at verse 3. Oh, please, don't miss this. Look at verse 3. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait one minute. To whom is Paul writing? Okay, here's the dead giveaway. It's the book of Romans. Okay, he's writing the church at... This is an incredibly intelligent audience. Rome, that's right. He's writing from Corinth. So Paul's finished his fourth letter to the Corinthians, the second letter of second Corinthians. He's collected the offering. They, they're making up for lost time. Remember, they, they were kind of negligent at first, but they got busy. Paul comes through with the delegates. He's collecting the offering. From Corinth, he writes a letter and says to the Romans in chapter 15, hey, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, pray everything goes well. Um, and I'm hoping they'll just take a brief time, and then after I deliver that offering, I'm going to go to the feast, and I'm going to come, I'm going to go to Spain on a missions trip. I want to go to the end of the world. That's what Paul wanted to do. Spain was the end of the world. I'm going to go to the end of the world, but on, on the way there, I'm going to stop in Rome and see you guys. So just pray it all goes well. So we know what his plans were, okay? But now he's writing them, and he says, hey, tell this one hi, tell that one this, and, and then verse 3, I want you to say hey to Priscilla and Aquila. You know what that tells me? That tells me they're there. So wait a minute, Pontus, right? But, but we're moving to Rome because uh, that's the capital city and a lot of people need tents there. We got this big business, but you know what? Uh, the emperor says, you, you, you can't stay in Rome. You're a Jew. So they go to Corinth. What's, what's going on in our life? And well, here's what's going on. God's putting you strategically in a place where you can get saved. And they got saved. And they got discipled. Their whole life got changed. 
Now Paul said, hey, I want to take you guys with me to Ephesus. So they went to Ephesus, but now their life has changed. It's not about tents anymore. Tents is just the pretext to lead people to Christ and disciple people. And here's Apollos, and they lead Apollos to, uh, to a fuller knowledge of what the gospel means. And, and Paulus comes to Corinth, and he does a great job. And Priscilla and Aquila, they have a church in their house, but presume some, somewhere along the line, they go back to Rome. The edict has been lifted. They go back to Rome. So they're right back kind of where they started from. And Paul said, hey, say hey to Priscilla and Aquila. They are my helpers. What a title. They're my helpers in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. This family, what a help. Can I ask you a question? Are you a help? If your pastor wrote a letter about you to others, secondhand praise is best. If your pastor wrote a letter about you to others, say, I'm going to tell you, these people pull the rope with me. You know what I heard from the entire time from the airport to my hotel today? I heard stories about you. That's what I heard. I heard stories about you all. I knew you before I came in here. Why? Because your pastor said, and this one, and this couple, and this situation, and this, and it was all good. Uh, Uncle Louie, you are famous. I couldn't wait to meet you. I wanted you to sign my forehead. I'm just telling you. I haven't read the most exciting verse yet. The most exciting verse is the next one. Look at it, verse 4. Who, Priscilla and Aquila, who have from my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. I don't know of higher praise in the New Testament for a couple than that. You know what Paul said? Paul said every single church that has been influenced by my ministry should get out a pen, go down to Hallmark, buy a thank you card, and write, Dear Priscilla and Aquila, thank you. Thank you. When's the last time in your mind you thought, you know, I'm just so grateful for the legacy of the apostles and prophets. I'm so grateful for the people that laid the foundation for us to know the Lord. People like Priscilla and Aquila. You didn't think that this morning. Neither did I. Matter of fact, I dare say, most of us have probably never heard an entire message on Priscilla and Aquila. And yet the Apostle Paul said, these are people that every Gentile church should say thank you for. Because we owe our existence to God using people like this. Okay? Let me show you one last passage. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Last words the Apostle Paul is ever going to write. 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is really both encouraging and sad. Demas hath forsaken me. We know that, verse 10. Having loved this present world, he's, he's gone. He's departed. Crescens is gone. He's in Galatia. Titus is in Dalmatia. Luke's with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. He's profitable for me. Uh, Timothy, you're not here yet. Mark's not here yet. Watch this. Tychicus, I've sent to Ephesus. He's gone. The cloak I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. Verse 13. And the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith. He did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou where also. For he hath greatly withstood our words. Watch this, verse 16, at my first answer, at my first court appearance. Have you ever had to stand up in front of the judge? At my first court appearance, no man stood with me. And Paul, he's on trial for his life. He's defended people his whole life. He stood for people his whole life. He's risked his life for people. And now, when he needs people the most, there's not one corroborating witness to stand up and say, I'll vouch for him. There's no way to stand up and say, I can testify to his character. There's no one that's willing to, that the, no, no man stood with him. Notwithstanding, he said, the Lord stood with me and, and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Look, look at verse 19. Watch this. He's done. He's just preached his last message. Amen. That's the end of verse 18. Watch this, verse 9. Salute. He's writing to Timothy at Ephesus. Salute 
Prisca, Priscilla, and Aquila. Oh, wait a minute. Where are they now? These people get around. They probably just didn't pay their taxes, right? I mean, they're back in Ephesus. Pontus, Corinth, Ephesus, Corinth, Rome, Ephesus. You know, they just loosely grip the things of this world, don't they? This world, it's not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. They, they, they had a, a grasp of eternity, didn't they? Hey, tell Priscilla and Aquila, I said, hey, and the household of Onesiphorus. And then he says, oh, here are the people that, that are here. There's only two people Paul greets at the end of his last letter. You know who they are? Watch this. You know who they are? The people that encouraged him most in, most in his life. Priscilla and Aquila and Onesiphorus. When I was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently. He found me. Remember that, chapter 1? He was not ashamed of my chain. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well, Timothy. When Paul got to the end of his life and his body is racked with pain and his head's about to be severed from his body, he's about to enter his eternal home, you know what he said? Hey, I just want you to know I've never forgotten Priscilla and Aquila. I've never forgotten Onesiphorus. And here's what I would say to you. Okay? Here's, here's my four takeaways. Number one, now your family, listen to me, your family. This doesn't apply to other families, this is your family. Okay, your marriage. You say, I'm a single mom, you've got a family. I was raised by a single mom. Okay? I was raised by a single mom. So your family, whatever it is. Well, I have a stepfather, make a difference. You're a family. Okay? So this is not a, a lesson on, okay, there's no perfect family here. Okay? So I'm just talking about your family. Okay, what's the takeaway? Number one, takeaway number one, in your family, decide that you're going to take on individual responsibility. Don't put the onus of living for God on anybody else but yourself. Yeah, but if my wife would, no, 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 it's not just what your wife would, what about you? Yeah, but my husband, you don't understand, he, I had a drag, no, 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 not, not your husband, you. Yeah, but my parents, yeah, at church they, but no, 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 not, not your parents, you. Yeah, if I only had teenagers that would do it. No, 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 not your teenagers. You, it's me, it's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother. It's not my sister. And so take on individual responsibility. It's Priscilla and Aquila. They had an individual walk with God. They both discipled people. Sometimes Priscilla's mentioned first. Sometimes Aquila's mentioned first. But they both took a pause. They both expounded. They both had hospitality. They both invited into their home. They both were thanked by the Apostle Paul. They were viewed as a team. I want for Wanda and I to be viewed as a team. I don't want people to think about me and not think about my wife. I don't want people to think about me and not think about my family. Hey, we're united to serve Jesus Christ. We're united. That's what we need in local churches. Families that say, hey, I'm going to do the best thing you can do for your family is for you to be right with God yourself. That's the best thing you can do. Not for you to fix somebody. You'll never fix somebody. The best thing you can do for your family is for you to be right with God yourself. I'm going to talk about that in our last session tomorrow, specifically. It's for you to be right with God. There's an individual responsibility. Number two, uh, extravagant hospitality. Aquila and Priscilla were people known for extravagant hospitality. Everything that they had was something they used as a tool to bless and help people. Everything they had was something they used as a tool. Hey, minister, their, their job, hey, a tool to reach people. Uh, their, their, their possessions, a tool to entertain people. It's the church in their house. It's, it's, it's people that come to, it's God, the things, I'm going to take inventory of the gifts, the talents, the abilities, the knowledge, the experiences, the stuff, the money, the possessions. I'm going to take inventory, God, of what you've given me, and we're going to use this for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now, what about you? What about your family? It'd be a good thing for a couple to get together tonight before you go to bed, or a family to get together as a family, little family meeting and say, you know what? As a family, we're going to serve Jesus Christ. And the stuff that God has given, he's been good to us. We're going to use what we have for Jesus Christ. You say, well, Pastor Skelly, if I had a good home, I would. You know, if I had a big home like they do, listen, it's not about what they do. You know, my wife and I lived in Gary, Indiana, 
in, 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 in a rat-infested apartment and watched my car get stolen three times. <laughs> Literally watched it get stolen. Walk out my window. They're stealing my car. Well, they can have it. <laughs> Cost me too much anyway. We had people in our home every week. Now, that's more, that's more of my wife's hospitality than me because we didn't have the money to feed them, but we brought them in. What are you doing with what you have? Extravagant hospitality. Individual responsibility. Biblical contentment. Are you content? Are you content with where God has placed you? Yeah, but, but I don't know what God is doing, and it wasn't my fault, and we were just trying to have this business, and we just sold all our possessions and got to Rome, and now the government, and just... You know, how do you look at the circumstances of your life? Do you look at it as God's doing something to you? Or do you put Romans 8.28 on top of that and say, no, God's doing something for me? God's not doing something to our family. God's doing something for our family. That's a tough thing, you know, things unravel. It's like, man, what's happening to me? No, what's happening for me? What's happening for me? It's a, to- it's a paradigm shift, isn't it? And that was, the, that was Priscilla and Aquila. Individual responsibility, extravagant hospitality, biblical contentment, and then lastly, ministry-mindedness. Ministry-mindedness. All of it, listen, all of their life had a ministry focus. I'm going to encourage our pastor. We're going to help and disciple this person. Now, they could have sat there and said, Apollos, you know, he sounds good, but it's all fluff. He doesn't know his doctrine. I ain't coming back to this synagogue. No, they were just humble. Hey, why don't you come on over? And write a letter to the editor. They, just, they used what God had given them to invest in, to bless other people. Do you know what happens when families get busy serving God together? Here's what happens. All the other things that you think are problems right now, they go away. It's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is the longer I look at people in my life, the more critical I become of them. But when we just kind of put our arms together and have a common goal and focus and reach people and love people, it's amazing how God unifies us. What I would say to every family in this room, is unify your hearts to love and serve Jesus Christ. Do it together and watch God bless you in huge ways. Father, thank you for the time together tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, for Priscilla and Aquila. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to take these simple principles. And oh God, I pray that you'd help them to be a part of our lives. I pray that the families of Arise Baptist, years to come, if you would tarry your coming, we could look back at this service and say, I remember that family. They were here from the very beginning. Look at them still serving God. Years from now, there would be families that would be dotted around the world, on the mission field, or maybe a job transfer, but serving God, having been influenced by and having spent time here. Lord, whatever you're going to do in your sovereign will, I pray that you would help us to be sensitive and obedient. Help us to be right with you. Bless every family. Be with the single mom. Be for her what she needs. Be with the teenager that's struggling tonight. Solidify every family. Nurture every couple. God, give us your grace in a new and a fresh way. Bless Arise Baptist Church. Lord, may her greatest days be ahead. Lord, may we marvel at what you do in Houston, through this body of believers. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Be well. Amen. Thank you. I know God spoke to my heart tonight, that he spoke to yours as well. I would just challenge you, as we just heard so well put, a great family starts with our own personal relationship with God. If you don't have a personal relationship with God, we'd love to show you how to have one what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, how he forgave you of your sin, and how he's risen again. He's alive. And we serve a great Savior. And uh, I hope that you'll think tonight on your way home, maybe talk with your family, talk with somebody else. Say, here's some things that God showed me tonight that I need to do differently. I need to be careful to be ministry-minded. I need to be focused on God.
and God alone. I need to put God first in my life in a particular area. I've held some things back from Him. What a challenge from a couple that we don't think too much about in Scripture. But God had a wonderful plan for them. Their ministry literally has filtered down to us today. Through them, all those Gentile churches, well, we're descended from those eventually when you think about it. What a wonderful thing that God could use a couple to really carry his mission forward. And I hope that you'll commit before God tonight. Say, God, whatever it is, I'll do it. And God can use you too. Well, thank you for being here tonight. I've been blessed. I've been encouraged. And I hope you have as well. We're looking forward to tomorrow morning. We'll start at 8.30 with a little breakfast. And some of our ladies were just trying to get a count if you're planning to be here for breakfast. If you're going to come a little bit later, we'll start with the first session about 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, I believe. Is that correct? And uh, so you can come for that if 8.30 is too early for you to wake up. Or you can just come and get your coffee here and uh, get your breakfast here. And that'll be fine. We'll have some games and activities for the kids tomorrow. Weather permitting, we'll also have some family games outside. If it's raining, we can bring them inside. So some challenges for the family. It'll be a lot of fun tomorrow during in between the sessions. So we'll have two sessions tomorrow. One will start about 9, 9.20. First one starts at 9.20. And then there will be a, a game time in between. And then a second session. We'll wrap it up just before lunchtime tomorrow. Well, would you stand with me? Let's uh, be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight. And uh, we'll let you go. And uh, love to be able to encourage you and help you any way that we can. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could learn from your word tonight and be challenged. Thank you for truth. We thank you for the example of Priscilla and Aquila. I pray that you'd help us as we go tonight. Lord, I want my family to be more like you. I want my family to be used for you. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to be the kind of man that I need to be, to lead my family well and to carry out the work that you have for me in this earth. We love you. Keep us safe as we go home. Bring us back safely tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Dismissed.